You've come to the right place. If you're a course creator looking to build more impact, income, and freedom, LMSCast is the number one podcast for course creators just like you. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of the most powerful tool for building, selling, and protecting engaging online courses called Lifter LMS. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest, Tanner Moucher from eyewitnessdesign.com. He also has a social learning project over at study.church. Welcome to the show, Tanner. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. You have a lot of experience in uh, kind of the original social network of WordPress called BuddyPress, which is a tool I've always been fascinated with. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, John James Jacoby, Triple J as he's known. I think he was the original yep. creator of BuddyPress and BBPress, the popular forum software. Um, but I've always been fascinated by it because, number one, those tools are free to make like a forum or like right. a you know, sort of like a Facebook in a box and a WordPress website with BuddyPress. And I've just been fascinated by social interaction online in general. Before I got into tech, I actually have a background in anthropology and how people communicate and form groups. Oh, wow. Things is very interesting to me. And I've always been um, interested in the BuddyPress project specifically. My tool, Lifter LMS, integrates with BuddyPress out of the box and BB press so that if you want students to um, uh, basically have the buddy press profile and have their courses and their membership show up and be able to easily get into their courses and programs or have forums specific to courses or memberships, all that stuff's part of lifter. And I did that from the very, very early first version of lifter LMS, which is over four years ago because um just I knew from the beginning that social learning is an aspect of the education issue, especially in the online world that I wanted to work on. But let's take a step back. Can you just take us to school on like what BuddyPress is? What, it, what does it do well? What are its limitations? And, you know, just kind of give us a primer on BuddyPress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like you said, we've been working with BuddyPress for a long time. Uh, the, the story actually is pretty funny. Um, I actually worked with uh, with J Trip at Ten Up during my tenure there, and um, when I when I left Ten Up to to get going on eyewitness design, um, one of the projects, one of the things that I wanted to do, I was uh, one of the church the church I was going to, um, I wanted to create like a um, an online place for us to do like prayer requests and just to have a place for people to come and connect online, and so I started building the system to do that. And I got about three or four months into building this system, just kind of on my free time when I discovered BuddyPress. Uh, so it wasn't until after I left 10 app, wasn't until after I had got done working with, uh, with John. Um, he and I even did a, a BBPress project together that I, even, that I even found out about this thing. So that was, that was kind of crazy. I, it, it, that was a humbling experience, actually. <laughs> just uh, kind of revealed to me how much, uh, how much I didn't know and uh, anyways, so so I got really interested in BuddyPress. One of the things that has really attracted me uh, to to web development and and really the technology that's out there is this kind of interactive um, option that we have. You know, websites these days, in particular, are, have gone way beyond just kind of this idea of having a brochure site, putting your information online, and actually invite people to participate and engage 
um, with, with your site and with your content. And so as I, as I was considering as an agency owner, what, uh, what I wanted to focus on, what I wanted to kind of niche down into, um, the, one of the things that, that popped up was, um, well, the main thing that popped up was this desire to create interactive sites. I didn't want to just be a regular site builder. Uh, I already knew a few different people who, uh, who were in the e-commerce space. So I wanted to get into something a little bit different. So I settled down into membership sites. Uh, just to get kind of specific and then and then kind of niche down even a little bit more to focus on BuddyPress sites within membership, kind of as a cross niche of the exact kind of project that I wanted to work on. So um, so with BuddyPress, uh, like you're talking about, BuddyPress is really kind of that, that core social uh, plugin for WordPress. There are a few other plugins out there right now that have started popping up that, that start to do a few of the things that BuddyPress does um, in different ways, and and uh, and and they do some things well and some things not so great. And, and what I the reason I keep coming back to BuddyPress is because it has a, a fantastic foundation. The kinds of people that are working on BuddyPress are, are working on it in a way uh, that will make it scale, that will make it um, that can make it performant. Um, and the kinds of sites that are running BuddyPress are, are just are huge sites that are doing really, really amazing things. Um, that said, I have a lot of people coming to me asking, uh, you know, saying that they want to do a BuddyPress project and they'll give me their list of things that I want to do, uh, that they want to do. And, uh, and half the time I end up talking them down from it because, you know, unless, unless, um, Unless you really have the budget and the time to, to spend into making BuddyPress exactly what you want it to be, it's probably going to be a frustrating experience because the power of BuddyPress is in the back end and the data structure um, and in the functionality of what it does, not so much in the interface. And, and that's been being updated over the past couple of years, so it's definitely better now than it was, especially when you have themes like the, the Boss theme uh, from the Buddy Boss guys. They have some, some uh, products that are really great that, um, that, uh, that are a great starting point for someone wanting to do that specific thing, you know, whether it's, you know, social learner or, or something like that. Um, but, you know, just, just kind of throwing a buddy press into, into a theme and hoping it works is generally not a good method of success. Buddy press takes a lot of planning, a lot of strategy, uh, and it's an amazing tool if done right. And if not done right, it can just be an, it can be a source of frustration. What is the, uh, like with BuddyPress, I mean, that's that's what always amazes me about just the WordPress community in general. There's this amazingly powerful plugin that's free. Um, at what point do people start being like, oh, well, you're going to need custom development or design or whatever? Like, where does it start? You know, before I would have I would have said pretty much right away. Uh, but um, but again, like with the with the new newer themes that are popping up, um, you can get pretty far, and you can actually build a whole a whole setup without having to engage someone for customization. Um, again, it's just kind of figuring out what is the point of this community? Who are the people that we're trying to serve? Uh, what does success look like for this community? And if you can define those things and you can find a pre-existing uh, theme or, or, or set of customizations for BuddyPress that'll, that'll do that for you, uh, then you're great. Then, then you're good to go. But if you're trying to do something that uh, you know, doesn't exist yet, uh, again, BuddyPress is a great starting place. Um, but I would definitely recommend getting in contact with, you know, with a, with a consultant to help you think through those, those aspects. And uh, it all kind of goes down to a little bit what your experience level is in WordPress. 
Um, BuddyPress is not a, a plugin that I would recommend someone you know who's just getting started out with WordPress try. But if you know what you're doing, you're familiar with plugins, you're familiar with the way these things work, um, then there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you know loading it up and trying it out and, and seeing how it goes. I think one of the frustrations outside of functionality that doesn't exist is that um, with a, building a community website is it's really hard to, in most cases, to get that initial momentum rolling yes. of like having it not turn into a ghost town or people sign up and never come Absolutely. back. Again. In your experience, what what are some things to think about to increase the odds of success of building a community that lasts and grows over time or at least remains stable? Yep. That's a great question. Um, and, and that goes to, to one of the questions that, I, that I'll ask people who have a BuddyPress project coming to me. Is I'll ask them, um, why, why is this thing that you want to build, why is it better than Facebook? Why is it better than creating a group on Facebook? People are already there. They know how it works. It works well. So, you know, the idea is if you're going to build your own social network, that could be really great, but the but the the expectation bar is really high now because we have Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and you know all of these other social networks, um, and so what makes uh, what it, what makes BuddyPress you know a potentially difficult uh, option is is not that BuddyPress is is inherently difficult in and of itself. It's that what you're competing with is is so advanced. Right. So, so it's not that hard to necessarily put together the functionality that you're looking for, you know, with something like BuddyPress. There's a bunch of different options out there. There's a bunch of different extension plugins and that kind of thing. But, but at the end of the day, it's not about a set of, uh, it's not about a set of, of features, right? It's about will people actually use this and is this serving my community? And, and to a lot of people, what I recommend is, Go start your community on Facebook. Go start your community somewhere else. Um, it, it allows you to focus on building the community, which is really the important part. And then at some point, you're going to go, my community would be better served by these you know, custom pieces of functionality, which I can't do on Facebook or I can't do on LinkedIn or I can't do wherever. Um, and then that's the point where we have a, a conversation around BuddyPress and we say, Let's take your community, let's build this functionality, let's put the budget into making this really great so that people don't think that it's a downgrade from what they're already doing. Um, and then that's, that's the time that I really recommend getting started with BuddyPress because if you're starting out trying to build a community and you're trying to build right into BuddyPress, uh, you're going to have an uphill battle trying to, can, trying to maintain that interest, trying to keep that community from becoming a ghost town uh, because those, those expectations are so high. That's, I really like that idea of kind of validating on Facebook first. I talk mm-hmm. about a lot one of the on this podcast, course creators have to wear five hats to be successful. They have to be an expert, yeah. a teacher, a community builder, a technologist, and an entrepreneur. So this community building skill that you're talking about is a real skill. And uh, yeah. it's easy to I, you know, want to own the social network and own the platform, but it's not so bad to go validate on a Facebook group or whatever. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate um, that's, that's really sage advice there. Like take a community that's already, that you've already built either offline or uh, you know, in in Facebook before you really try to like own it yourself. Um, If we put our, another one of our hats on the expert hat, 
Um, there's a little bit of overlap in our story. Number one, you live in one of my favorite states, which is Washington State. Um, yep. On the other side of the mountains from where you live, there was an expert in uh, North uh, Eastern Washington in a certain type of organic agriculture called permaculture that I learned of. And so my very first online course projects, I actually helped bring some of these permaculture experts online. They had these huge followings. They were mostly doing in-person um, workshops, like on, on different people's lands or farms or things like that. And I started showing up with my video camera and working out a deal and then creating online courses and around that stuff. Um, you mentioned with study.church that you've, you were in a situation where you saw somebody who was doing well offline and you were trying to do the problem of, can I bring this community online? Can I bring... Yeah. Can I make it happen online? Can you tell us the story of study.church? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, kind of going back to, to, to my church and uh, just kind of using that as an example, I see a lot of needs there. Uh, we're a pretty small church and, and we don't typically use a lot of tools, but I was anxious to, to take all the stuff I was starting that I was learning and figure out, you know, how, how can I solve some of the problems that I'm seeing and how can I enhance what we're doing here? Um, and so one of the things that we were doing at the time, one of the pastors in the church was creating, uh, some custom, uh, our, our own study for, for our small groups that were going on at the time. And, uh, and he'd send out those studies in a word document. So every, you know, beginning of every week we get a church blast email, you know, here's the study, um, you know, do here's some instructions, whatnot. And, and so you download the word document and then you either, and then you print it off and all of that. Uh, every now and then we'd get a follow-up email, sorry, you know, attached to the wrong study, here's this one or, or whatever. And it, it felt really bad to me. It felt really clunky. Um, and, and so I started just kind of pondering it and, and considering what I was doing, you know, on, in, uh, through, through my agency, through with my clients and all that. Started thinking about if, if there was something, some way that I can contribute a better way to do this. And, um, and so as I, as I was learning, you know, a lot about buddy, buddy press at the time and, uh, I really kind of got this idea that, you know, wouldn't it be great if not only could we come up with a better way of distributing this, uh, this content, uh, but what if we could also, um, create something that, that also promoted community, right? So if, uh, in really any class setting, you want to you want to promote that community aspect. The more you can get people working with each other and engaging with each other, the more impactful that study is going to be. Um, so I started working on Study Church, and and um, and the idea was, you know, let's create uh, a platform where you can where you can add your study. And and so we did we did some work early on with uh, with Backbone and the WordPress API just to kind of put a uh, a front end you know, study builder together. And it's, it's really awful. <laughs> it, it works pretty well, but it, you know, it's nothing really to look at. Um, but, you know, just something to kind of start testing some concepts, get some, you know, have, have an opportunity for people to, to put their study online and, and attach it to a group. And in the way that study church works is once you attach a study to your group, you invite the people to your group also. And then whenever someone in your group answers a question, then they can see all of the other answers that everybody else in the group uh, has posted to that question. 
Uh, they're all long form answers. There's no, uh, you know, multiple choice. This isn't a right, yes or this isn't a right or wrong kind of thing. It's not really a real learning management system. Um, but it is what it is is it's a place to to engage um, on the answers to these questions. And and so when you see the other answers in the group, you can go, oh, you know, I wonder why you got their answer. What what did you think about such and such? Why did you say this? And then right then right there. In the system itself, you can have that conversation, you can have that back and forth, and it's all built right into the platform. We were able to use, leverage uh, BuddyPress for that. We were able to, uh, we just created basically a custom activity stream element so that when, whenever they answer a question, you know, that, that custom acti- activity item is created, it ends up right into that group stream, uh, and then it's just, it's just default BuddyPress at that point. And so we were able to kind of build a system um, I think from from you know starting from nothing all the way to having kind of a working model, I think we ended up at like 100, 120 hours or something like that, which for a project like this isn't, isn't that much, especially when you consider we did a lot of branding and, and custom development on that side of things. So, so BuddyPress really helped us to scaffold things and to build, build very quickly um, and get it to a point where you know, we've not had, we've not had a bunch of people using it because I'm, I'm really not great at marketing. Um, but we've had a, a few people just find us kind of um, uh, organically and, and have and using it and we've gotten some good feedback from it. And, and we really kind of see this thing where people are engaging with each other and, and able to, you know, take the concept of, of what we have in small group where we meet once a week. Uh, we kind of go over the study. We, t- we discuss things and expand that to, to an online presence also where you're able to, uh, to, to extend that interaction. Um, and also it gives us the opportunity um, to take, you know, some of the quieter people in the group um, who may not normally share their answers and share during, you know, the in-person time. And it makes their answers visible so that, you know, we have a, a, a more complete view of, of where the group is at and, and where the conversation's going and, and invites other people into the conversation that wouldn't normally be comfortable participating, I think. Wow, that's, <clears throat> that's fantastic. There's a couple of uh, ideas I wanted to pull out of that. And the first being is from, I have a theory about just learning that, if you were to think back to one of the most profound learning experiences in your life, it probably, you probably weren't alone with just like the teacher or with just a, a, mm-hmm. a book or something like that, even though we can learn a lot in a one-on-one situation or with a, from a piece of information. But in my experience, and when I ask this question, a lot of people say there was others around. People were learning. People yeah. were having different reactions to the content. Maybe some were succeeding, some were failing. People were helping each other. This is where like the really great learning happens. So it's social. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, go ahead. I was going to say I have a kind of a funny story about that. I, I and it's it is the flip side of that, which is. Uh, I, uh, I got, I got partway through college. I didn't completely finish it. Cause I was, I, I started doing some distance learning then I decided to start my own company before finishing. But uh, the last course I took with distance learning was this new type of course they had where they sent you a flash drive with the material on it. They sent you a book and then you had a, uh, a middle exam and a final exam and that was it. Yeah. There was no, there was no really group interaction. There was nothing. And I, I failed that class so bad because like you're saying, there wasn't that group interaction there wasn't there weren't you know those other people's i can engage with there wasn't that kind of external motivation not just from the teacher but from the other students and, and all that kind of thing and it's just just kind of thinking back you, you talking about that just reminded me of that scenario of you know not how a community helped me learn that that wasn't my best learning experience that was you know 
that was a subject that I've traditionally done really well with. And I just completely failed because it was just me and my book and, and that didn't go well for me. Yeah. I have a, I have a concept called course plus. <clears throat> so that's where you can build an online course, which can be like that flash drive in video format on a website, right? Or you can, but you can add other stuff to it. You can plus or add more. So course plus community plus coaching plus service plus, um, uh, in-person event or offline event or online event. There's all kinds of things you can add to the learning stack. And you mentioned that like, so that's, some people call that blended learning where you've got like Mm -hmm. the online and then you've got the offline and they kind of work together and there's different, there's tons of different ways to do blended learning. I really like what you said about the personality types and how they interact differently Mm -hmm. in the group online or in person, you know, if somebody's more introverted, they might shine more in the offline thing or just be more quiet and reserved, especially in a larger group. Um, that's really cool. That's just like, that's getting into the nuance of social learning because not everybody's the same. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you also have some experience leveraging BuddyPress in a university context. We have universities playing around with Lifter LMS and, and using it for different things. Um, how how are these? What's your experience with the university in terms of the social piece? Like, what are they trying to do? Yeah, so this has been a really interesting project that we've been working on. And essentially, what we're doing is we're we're forking the H Commons setup that you can find at hcommons.org. Um, they have their whole whole setup on GitHub, open source, free to use, and all of that. Um, and so we've been working with this university. What they wanted to do is they wanted to create um, an online platform for different professionals to be able to come and discuss different uh, areas of interest. Um, and then it even breaks down into different societies uh, based on uh, education level and that kind of a thing. Uh, so this is a great example of you know where an existing social platform like Facebook wouldn't work because they've got to have these things locked down. They've got to have, um, they've got to have single sign on. Uh, they've got to have a bunch of stuff. And, and so what we've been doing primarily with them has been uh, integrating, like, like I said, you know, with like a shibboleth, the single sign on uh, doing some, some stuff with Elasticsearch to, to expand kind of the default WordPress search to include BuddyPress and members and, and some of these custom components that we've done. Uh, but it's been a really interesting thing. And, and just kind of to start understanding what the needs of, of universities are um, and how they're trying to get, you know, academics to communicate with each other. It's been, it's been a really fascinating experience. Could you unpack that single sign-on Shibla thing? Because <laughs> I'm just asking because we get that question a lot at Lifter and, and people wanting to do single sign-on with WordPress. And I've seen people come yeah. up with all kinds of different solutions. What's Shibla and how do you use that with BuddyPress? Okay, so um, I've done I've done Shibboleth a few different times, and there's a WordPress there's a, a plugin on WordPress that that handles Shibboleth. Um, how do you spell that? Is it Shibboleth? It's Shibboleth S H I B B O L E T H. I think. Okay, something like that. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but basically what Shibboleth does is it will integrate with like an Active Directory type um, a database. Uh, and so I've done, I've done Shibboleth in the past. And the problem is that Shibboleth takes a few different pieces that make it very complex. So you have the WordPress side of things, 
that just kind of manages um, sessions and shibboleth login and that kind of thing. That's not terribly complicated. Where I've run into trouble in the past with it is both servers need to be configured for shibboleth and there's some crazy firewall stuff that happens. Um, and so on a previous project that, that I did several years back, um, we had we kind of jumped around to a few different hosts uh, because the uh, you know we we went to WP Engine for a while and they just they weren't able to make the customizations that we needed on their shared hosting platform. Um, for that site, we ended up on uh, on Linode, um, and uh, I'm not really a systems administrator. At least I'm not now. I kind of was back then, and I decided I didn't like it very much. Um, and so, and so, my frustration with Shibboleth, what made it difficult for me was was just trying to get that that server stack all set up correctly. Trying to figure out, you know, where is the error coming from? Is it coming from me? Is it coming from the university that we're trying to connect with? Is it a firewall issue? Um, so this more recent project that we've done with this university has been uh, has been much better because we we have a good systems administrator that we're working with on their side. Um, everything is behind the firewall, so we don't really have that component so much to worry about. Uh, and so the integration has been really neat because what it allows us to do is it allows us to take pieces of information from uh, from their directory and say when once this person logs in, they're going to send us a whole bunch of attributes that tell us. Um, what uh, what courses or what uh, yeah what programs this student is enrolled in or if they're faculty or whatever and we're able to take those uh, attributes and then to map them to uh, the correct um, subsites or whatever within the install and we can we can assign them to particular groups. Uh, this is one thing that we're working on now, kind of expanding the idea of what a group is, so that we can have classes and we can have groups and we can have you know all these different things and and to be able to say you know you don't you don't sign up or you don't um, you don't join a class. Like a class group is not something you join. It's something we'll automatically assign you to when you sign in with Shibboleth because we know you have that attribute coming in from, from the Active Directory database and we're going to map you to that. Uh, so there's some really neat things that we can do there from a management standpoint that allows the, you know, the administrators at the university to continue managing things where they're, where they're used to managing it and WordPress just plays nicely with all of that. That was super cool. <clears throat> if we go back to BuddyPress uh, and social learning, and and correct me if I skip some of the major features there, but BuddyPress uh, for a social network on WordPress, you you have profiles, you have like mm -hmm. an activity feed, kind of like a Facebook timeline, if you will. Yep. You can have groups. You can have forums associated with groups. Mm -hmm. Just forums in general with the BBPress. Uh, partner with BuddyPress. You can have private messaging. Are those the main features? You can have friends. Uh, yep. You can do like more advanced profiles and kind of build custom registration and stuff like that. What else is it? Are the major features? Uh, the other major feature that I would um, that I think is really important with BuddyPress is the notifications piece of functionality. Oh yeah, yeah. The notification system within BuddyPress is really, really robust, and. Um, and they're That's what community is, really. It's a bunch of like, yeah, notification. Exactly. Hey, there's a new thing over here. Check this out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. And so, um, you know, whenever considering doing a BuddyPress project, I, I basically ask two questions. Are we using groups or are we, or are we using notifications? Well, not I, I want to, to give you the second part of my question. Which, oh, okay. Go ahead. Which, <laughs> which is related to what you're, where you're going right now. So I just wanted to frame it in. If somebody's just getting started, like... 
I, I hypothesize that the reason some people fail is they turn all of it on when maybe they only need like, maybe they don't need messaging right away or they don't need friends or whatever. Like, how do you, is there a critical few or I'm sure it depends on the project. So where, where were you getting ready to go there? I just want people to know, like if they want to try it, they don't have to turn everything on. How should they think about it? Great, great point. I gave a, uh, a presentation at WordCamp Seattle last year where we talked, where I talked about this exactly. And, um, and that's an excellent point. Uh, very rarely do I recommend turning on everything with BuddyPress. You don't need it all. Um, it adds some great functionality, but it's, it's better to test things in chunks, you know, make sure this works and make sure this works. Uh, and, and so where I was going to go is I was going to say, you know, the, the, the two components that I think are core to BuddyPress um, are the notifications in the groups. If you're not using those, there's probably a better solution out there for you. Um, but, uh, but BuddyPress and, and, or, but uh, groups and notifications are really kind of the core. And then kind of building onto that, you have the, you have the activity stream and you have the messaging and you have all of these, all of these kinds of things. Uh, so as far as which ones you turn on and which ones you don't really kind of go back to that question of who is my group and why do I have this group? Um, but I can tell you like what we're working on at study.church, we don't have private messaging turned on. Um, we're, uh, we, we have a bunch of components that just aren't turned on because we're not using them yet. We have plans for them eventually, but we want to make sure we get, you know, the things that are really important about our platform. We want to be laser focused on making sure we do the, the, the core things right. Uh, and then we can build on extra features beyond that. But it's, it's really important for us to make sure that, um, that the important parts of our platform have a good user experience, are fast, are consistent, uh, and then we can expand once that's, once that's done. That's great. Well, Tanner, I have a, like a, a philosophical question for you, which is if somebody's looking at, they want more conversation on their website, which needs users and to talk to each other, whatever, what, how do you, especially in a learning context, define the difference between comments, forums, like, and posts inside forums and like a social feed that stuff's just kind of coming out? Like how, how are they different or how do you advise people what to use in what situation? Interesting question. Um, we have, uh, there's been a few different clients that we've worked with where we've tackled this question a few different ways. Um, one of them is uh, something that, that is actually a very interesting piece of functionality is, um, is forums. So forums, forums become a very, interesting way to, um, to not just host conversations, but also to kind of have a, uh, a canonical, uh, place for, for those conversations to exist. Um, small, might, small, small rabbit hole question. Are forums yeah. dying as a, as a thing or no? What do you, what's your opinion on that? I think forums as a standalone thing seem to be disappearing. Um, but, uh, but this this thing that I'm about to say is going to kind of change that. Yeah. So what 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 we've done, or at least looked into it for a few different clients, and, I'm, and I believe that there are people doing this. I just can't remember what the examples off the top of my head. But it's taking uh, basically each each post that you make on your site, or, or maybe each um, uh, course or whatever you know, whatever you're collecting comments on, and instead of just taking those comments and storing them as comments on that. And it's just kind of stuck on that page. You create a new, um, a forum topic. And then every time someone posts a comment in that, it goes into that forum topic. 
And then so essentially this forum lives throughout the site. You know, people can engage with it throughout the site. And it still all kind of compiles in one location. Um, and people can engage with it either on the forum or on the page. Uh, but I think that's, that's one way to kind of repurpose this content and kind of bring engagement back, right? We have so many, like you're saying, we have so many different places where we can, uh, where our users can, can engage. And the more fragmented that feels, the less likely they are to engage. And so as the more we can pull that back into one central location, the better. Um, does that answer your question? I feel like that was kind of a tangential. It does. It does. And then maybe like just speak to what's best for the activity feed. Like, like for example, with your um, study.church, like what's in the activity feed? Okay. Yeah. So um, for, for the act for activities feed specifically, and I guess just to go back to my, my previous answer, that's, that's an example of uh, of a way that we can, we can change, change the way conversations take place. And it's just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit. We don't have to have all of these things. We can, we can kind of connect them together. And, and that kind of ties into this is that the activity feed, there's uh there's a really good API built into BuddyPress to, to extend this activity feed. So if you want to say such and such answered a, answered a, a question over in, um, you know, in the learning management system, boom, it pops up there right in that group. You know, such and such answered this question and Lyft or LMS, boom, it shows up in that group. And you can, you can attach different actions and, uh, and, and make those, those items show up in the activity feed. Um, on study church, that's basically what we're doing is we have kind of the normal such and such joined a group, such and such posted this message. And then we also have such and such answered, answered this question. And the way we do that, uh, in study church is we will, we'll actually hide what will only show it as like a status update, such and such answer the question. And then if there is conversation that starts happening on that answer, then we'll show, then we'll show the answer and the conversation also. Otherwise we just kind of keep it all shrunked up. Uh, I don't think that's right. But I totally <laughs> understood what you meant, though. So yeah. <laughs> we, we keep it all kind of minimized yeah. there. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we keep it all minimized. And it's just, it's just a, a status update unless, unless there is conversation happening there because we don't want to overwhelm people with, with activity. We want to show them you know, what's most relevant. Um, so, so I guess in, in a philosophical answer, you want to show in the activity feed the items that are most relevant. And, and that doesn't mean everything. That means what you want the person, what you want your user to see. Uh, and the more stuff you, the more stuff that gets in that activity feed, um, just like with, you know, general site content, the more stuff that's there, the easier it is for people to get distracted. So you want to, as, as much as you can stay laser focused on what's important. Yeah. And I, I also agree that forums aren't, they're changing, but they're not going to go away. Like, especially if you have a problem and you just Google the internet about something, um, you'll often end up on some kind of forum post and somebody who left some comment or threat, you watch, you watch this conversation that happened three years ago, you get tons of value, you solve your problem. It was easy for the search engines to find it. Um, and that's, that's cool. I mean, forums can continue. So awesome. Well, uh, can you briefly touch on Elasticsearch for the community? Like, what is that? Why is WordPress search limited? And what does Elastic add to the conversation? Sure. So uh, by default, WordPress search will go through um, the uh, just basically the, the posts table. Um, you can expand WordPress search to include different custom post types. 
But if you're familiar with the WordPress database at all, it's, it's basically limited to that posts table. Um, and so you can, you can search the title, you can search the slug, you can search a few different things in there. But, uh, but if you want to expand beyond that, there, you're pretty limited. There are other tools out there, uh, such as uh, SearchWP or Relevancy, which will expand that functionality. Um, but at the end of the day, once you're talking about, once you get into you know, a lot of content and high scale, you're going to be tied down to, or you're going to be limited by, um, by what MySQL can do across multiple tables. Like it's just, you're just going to hit performance issues. And so what makes Elasticsearch um, really a really valuable tool is that it doesn't, it, it uses a completely different stack. Uh, so it optimizes the way, not just the way that it stores information, but the way that that information is, um, is, uh, is collected. So um, I believe they're called nodes, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, um, and so for, for this university project, what we've been able to do is we've been able to take, you know, the kind of the default WordPress post search and then, and then reformat um, BuddyPress groups to fit within that too, and then reformat member profiles to fit within that. This is all part of the, uh, if, you look, if you look at the Elastic Press. Uh, Elastic Press is a great plugin put out by Tenup that kind of adds native support for a WordPress site for Elasticsearch. Then there's an add-on called Elasticsearch dash or Elastic Press dash Buddy Press that uh, that the Humanities Commons people put together, uh, which is what we were using, and, and it just kind of puts all of this content and formats it uh, similar to the way that a, a the, that Elastic Press formats a post and it just sticks it all onto the same server. And because of the way that it uh, it stores this information, we're able to query across all of that different kind of content really quickly. Uh, and it's very performant. It's very uh, relevant in terms of what the search is. You have options as far as weighting it. Uh, and at the end of the day, you're just using a system that was built to handle search, whereas uh, MySQL really wasn't. Awesome. Great answer. Thank you for taking us to school on that. <laughs> sure. This is my this is my first Elastic Press project, so it's been a learning process for me too. But it's it's a really neat piece of technology. Yeah, and I think it's important to acknowledge like the limitations. There's a lot of like great free WordPress is free, you know, BuddyPress is free. Um, there's a lot of great free plugins out there, but sometimes if you want to go further, you got to integrate more tools and 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 uh, yeah. do more stuff. Um, Tanner Mouche, he's at eyewitnessdesign.com. You can also find his project over at study.church. How else can the good people of the internet connect with you, Tanner? I'm on uh, Twitter. It's probably the best way. I'm on Twitter at Tanner Mouche. Uh, that's M-O-U-S-H-E-Y. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's really fun to geek out about social learning, which is one of my favorite topics. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to connecting again and, and wishing you all the best in your projects. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure and happy holidays. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.